Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. Happy March to everybody. Yeah. Um, if you celebrate either uh, Get Drunk on the 17th day or um, March Madness or whatever, we've got the perfect film for you this month that, month that deals with neither. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think that's true, but okay. <laughs> It's uh, a perfect film for us. Oh, yes. That's that much I'll say. Um, this is not the first time we dove into the well that is Golden Globus Canon Pictures, uh, but we felt it was time to go back there. Um, I mean, if you have not heard our episode about the Apple yet, do yourself a favor and go listen to the, the batshit craziness that is that film. Uh, but today we're tackling a I, what I feel is a quintessential Canon film because when, when you when you think of canon pictures if you know anything about canon pictures you think of batshit crazy 80s films that either involve ninjas or breakdancing or chuck norris or all three well and if you haven't if you if you haven't really steeped yourself in the film in, in the canon filmography i forget what episode we ran just ran through a list of all of the insane canon films, but if you haven't um, done it, there the, the canon and Golden Globus are just amazing, and there are great documentaries out there that you can watch. Especially about how insane, especially Electric Boogaloo. That's the best one. Oh, yeah. it's the best one. I might watch that today. Like I might rewatch it today because holy! If you haven't watched the one on the the making of the He Man movie, <laughs> watch that one too. I mean. These guys are nuts. These guys are insane. And um, I haven't seen the movie we're going to talk about. When, when did it come out? 90? No, it came or out. 84. Yeah, I was going to say it's 1984. So, yeah. So probably since like 1990 would have been the last time I saw this movie. So it's probably been, oh, Lord, I don't know. Oh, it's uh, been years. 20 years. It's, it's been years, but it's one of those films that when you see it, you never forget it because it's etched in your brain. Like so many other films that came out from Canon Pictures in the 80s. You see it once, you never forget it, no matter how horrible the film is. Um, I, just to kind of give you an idea of how Golden Globus is, we discuss in the, the Apple episode how they basically just, even though the director almost committed suicide with the reaction to the film... <laughs> um, they basically, I, I, I think it was Globus, uh, no, it was Golan who directed, uh, the Apple, but, uh, they basically used the film as a tax shelter. Uh, so <laughs> that, that, which explains a lot of their, of their cinema right then or right then and there, but we're taking on, um, not your typical thing you, you would think of if we're talking about Golden Globus. No, we're not doing Missing in Action or Invasion USA uh, or Delta Force. We're not doing any of the break-in movies or anything like that. Um, instead, we're doing Ninja 3, The Domination. Shit, yes. <laughs> First of all, shout out to Sho Kazuki, who, um, or uh, Kasuji, which is uh, a favorite of not only us, but fellow um, fellow show producers Bobby Blakey, uh, Eddie Medina, uh, Cole Houston, uh, Rick Gutierrez. <laughs> show is the patron saint of bad action martial arts movies. Yes, and he was used a lot in the eighties. Um, the thing Him is, and, uh, is 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 uh, 
Is Al Leung in this movie? <laughs> I would just be shocked. We need to do just an Al Leung retrospective at some point. <laughs> no, Al Leung is not in this one. That's uh, bullshit. But 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 who is in this one is Lucinda Dickey, uh, who went on to star in the um, the Breakin movies after this one actually. Um, but uh, and David Chung as the Black Ninja is in this as well. Uh, so this movie's like, hey, you remember the miniseries Shogun? <laughs> yes. It's like, what if, um, what if this was Shogun, but instead of, um, in, in, instead of uh, being a period piece about the the whitest man in Japan, uh, <laughs> why don't we just throw in uh, Tani Katane with ESP? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. And you don't have to watch the movie. Yes. And you're done. So, um, for those who are worrying, you don't need to have watched the first two movies in order to get this film. You have not needed to watch Enter the Ninja or Revenge of the Ninja in order to get this movie. All you need to know is that the only thing that ties those three movies together is Shokujuzi. And that's it. It's the word ninja. Yeah, and the word ninja. But that's all you need to know about these films. Um... This film is bonkers because uh, just to quickly uh, brief you on the first two movies that came before this, uh, Enter the Ninja came out in 1981 and was your typical uh, white guy trained to be a ninja film that happened a white, lot in white the savior. 80s. Yeah, happened a lot in the 80s. Uh, the film was an unexpected success. So that spawned the creation of Revenge of the Ninja, uh, which this time it actually focused on the Shokasugi character instead of him being a secondary character. And it, it's a battle with him and an evil ninja and heroin. Uh, <laughs> so there's that going on. And then it leads us to Ninja 3, which, again, like I said, has nothing to do with part one and part two. Uh, with part three, instead, we have the evil spirit of a black ninja <laughs> who is possessing the katana that he was killed with, doing a, oh, de good. doing a demonic possession with a woman who is not only a, what was it? She was, was she a cop? I can't remember. Yeah, she was a cop. But also, <laughs> but also a fitness instructor on the side. Well, sure. You got to make that money. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, she happens to have um, a sixth sense as well, which enables her to be possessed by the evil ninja. So we've got we've got basically Jamie Lee Curtis's perfect ripoff going on here, uh, followed by your stereotypical ninja movie of the eighties and a ripoff of The Exorcist, all happening at the same time. And somehow thirteen going on thirty. Don't ask how it's in there. Just <laughs> shut, shut up. And if that wasn't enough for you, we also have the man, the myth, the legend, James Hong in this film. God damn it. The AKA Low Pan from Big Trouble in Little China. God damn it, James Hong. <laughs> God damn it. How, this is the perfect movie. So you got all these ingredients tied up into one of the best examples of 80s what-the-fuckery in cinema. Uh, <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> Especially if um, I was watching like a clip from the film before um, before we were recording, and I forgot that when um, when she is possessed by the evil ninja, that to make us aware that she's possessed by the evil ninja, that they did her eyes with eye makeup to make her eyes look Asian-y. Yeah, well, they gave her the. They definitely gave her the full Sigourney Weaver from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and, and so she's. They paid, they purposely like did the eyeliner on her eyes and told her to squint to make her look Asian. And I'm going, oh, this is so ping pong pang pang. This is so bad. I, I was like, I, I hope it's like this through the rest of the film because I don't Listen, remember this. <laughs> Periodically through this, I'm just going to say movies that James Hong were in. So you keep going, but I'm going to start with uh, Jeff Speakman's vehicle, The Perfect Weapon. All right, oh, keep God. going. <laughs> um, so this film was shot in nine weeks, and it shows. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, the eye patch, which is plays. I don't even get the eye patch, honestly, in this movie. For some for some reason, Shokutsugi really insisted on his character in this movie wearing an eye patch. Well, it shows it shows character growth. <laughs> it shows that he's been through something that you know. Th- this isn't the same. This isn't your same old ninja movie, um, Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> While watching this movie, do keep in mind that all of the samurai swords were made out of, at one point in this film, either, depending on what they're being used for, either bamboo, aluminum, or rubber. And you could tell when the rubber uh, swords are happening because I remember seeing in the clip, in the trailer, when they're doing the fighting, I actually, in that brief clip, saw one of the blades wobbling in an unnatural way that a thin blade is not supposed to wobble. Uh, that's ESP. <laughs> that's the ESP right there. That's that's how you know that ESP is being employed, Tango and Cash. <laughs> um, another thing, another interesting thing about this movie was this movie almost got an X rating. Um, <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. And, and the reason this movie got an X rating is for the it almost got an X rating is for the most ridiculous reason. It's not because of the violence or gore that happens in this movie, but it's because they referenced The Exorcist at one point by having her head spin. And I feel like every canon movie <laughs> is literally. Um, like one line away from being X-rated. <laughs> There's a very thin line in every canon or Google Globus movie. Uh, Alec Baldwin's The Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently there was supposed to be a scene where her head spins and the motion picture Associate of America said, nope, that gets an X rating. So they cut it out and they said, okay, there's your R. <laughs> So we got we got denied the the experience of a cheap budgeted Golan Globus head spin sequence uh, in this movie, which upsets me because I would have loved to have seen their attempt at a head spin uh, sequence in this film. I I can't be more excited 
for for watching this film. I um I know that I'm doing a bit right now, but outside of the bit, like like this this is one of those movies again like Evil Speak or like I'm trying to think of other ones in here um Kindred that you go you know, it was the it was the late '80s, early '90s. You go to Hollywood Video or Blockbuster or you know, whichever family video, whichever video store, local owned chain, whatever it is, and this just staring at you from the the thing. And if you were of a certain age, you could not resist. It had a siren song that could not be resisted. Oh, the poster was awesome. I mean, you get the poster. You've got. The, the 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 eyes of the evil black ninja glowing and then you've got a shot of Lucinda Dickey dressed up in Asian garb with the slanted eyes holding the samurai sword with her flash dance what a feeling hair billowing in the wind oh yeah that's that, that's that Sigourney <laughs> Weaver uh, <laughs> they got really working for her there um, also let me let me backtrack um Airplane and Blade Runner. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I missed one. Um, so this film came out in September 14th, 1984. Um, it came out at the tail end of the summer. Now, if you were not alive uh, during the summer of 1984, it's, it's funny you mentioned Sigourney Weaver and Ghostbusters because that was the summer of Ghostbusters. Um, and that, that film was really riding high at that point. Um, the, uh, other films that came out that summer, I'm trying to remember what other films besides Ghostbusters, cause that's all I could think oh, of. Oh, it was, was 84, man. That was the peak pop culture year. Yeah, it really like between was. music and movies. Um, you know, that was, that was the year that everything, that everything hit. Um, uh, 1984 movies, Terminator, Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Amadeus, Temple of Doom, Karate Kid, Nightmare on Elm Street, Beverly Hills Cop. Like, 84, man. You, we could do an entire podcast for years on 1984. Yeah. Spinal Tap, 16 Candles, Red Dawn, Purple Rain, um, Last Starfighter, Top Secret, James Hong, Footloose, <laughs> Children of the Corn, Police Academy, Night of the Common. Let's see. Like uh, Conan, Dune, Red Dawn, Repo Men. Uh, yeah, Adve- James Hong, Starman, uh, <laughs> Firestarter, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, uh, the, re- the 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 James Maroder version of Metropolis. Yeah. Uh, Purple Rain, uh, Never Ending Story, Electric Dreams, Muppet Takes Manhattan, Cannonball Run Part Two, Rhinestone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James Hong, yeah, against all odds, <laughs> not of the comet, Supergirl, um, yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Hong, Hongs of Fire, <laughs> Hong Simple. I mean, this was one hell. Cannon of- Hong Run Two, <laughs> Honging in Action. We did we mention Revenge of the Nerds? Honging on Rio. Um, <laughs> You, forget, you probably did. You you forgot Ground Hong USA. That's that's true. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, James Hong, Patrick Swayze, James Hong, and C. Tom Howell. Directed by James Hong, a James Hong production. Yes. 
But yeah, it was one hell of a year. It really was. I mean, a lot of stuff that you think of when it comes to 1980s pop culture really did happen in 1984. Um, I, I I think the two the, the the two biggest moments in pop culture that happened in 1984, actually the three that I think and now that I think back would be Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters, and Gremlin were like the three biggies that year. Uh, but all sorts of other stuff happened and everything. So it had some stiff competition. Um, sure. even, even Amadeus, what could have, which could have been you know dismissed as just being an art house film, made a huge impact uh, then. And and so, uh, it, oh, and plus, you know, we had Beverly Hills Cop as well and The Karate Kid. I mean, so much happened was, in it, 1984. Yeah, it was impossible. The competition was so insane yeah. that it's... I'm surprised any movie made any money or that we all didn't go broke and the economy completely collapsed under the weight of blockbuster movies in 1984. <laughs> and now we're, now we're facing that again in Hollywood, which is interesting because now it's like everybody wants to make the next tentpole movie and with, you know, situations going on in the world now they can't rely on the foreign markets. And now they're like, well, fuck. Um, right. So the, now is the time for movies like this to rise again and <laughs> embrace our direct-to-video. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, our direct-to-digital eyes and and allow us to see fun yes, schlock again. Yes, call James Hogg. He is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that I love the most about this film that we're about ready to watch is, is that, uh, well, one, it's available on Amazon prime. So if you have an Amazon prime membership, it's available on there to watch. But secondly, if you did like what I did, um, you bought the movie when it was released on Blu-ray from shout factory, uh, because they actually felt it deserved a 4k restoration. <laughs> it does. It does. Re- <laughs> it does want that. It, it wanted it. It wanted it. All right. So, I, so, so having not seen the movie since I was a teenager, that, I remember that was the last time I saw it again was, was as a teenager, and I happened to watch it on USA Up All Night uh, was where I remember rewatching the movie. It's a place to watch it. It's a real good place to watch it. <laughs> um, uh, but with Rhonda Shears, I miss Rhonda Shears. We miss you, Rhonda yeah. Shears. Come back out of come out of hiding. We miss you. Yeah, full of Joe Bob Briggs. Let's yes, go. we miss you. Uh, but I, I remember that was the last time watching it. But it made such an indelible impact on me growing up, and was such a huge part of my childhood that I just the minute it was announced, I just bought it right there. I was just like, "Yep, owning it." And Chris is like, but you don't have the other two. I said, you don't need the other two. <laughs> you don't have the other two. <laughs> Could be the funniest rep- funniest thing that I've ever heard in reference to um, this movie. Like, well, how are you going to know if you don't? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so are you ready to dive into this pool? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, we will have the audio from the trailer before this, so you can hear... I mean, even in the trailer's audio alone, you can hear how batshit crazy this film is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, here we go, diving into... Yeah, Ninja Th- <laughs> Ninja 3, The Domination, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. Thank <laughs> you. 
His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. Who are you? I want you to help her. Only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Her only hope is Yamada, the master ninja who has been sent to destroy him. Where Revenge of the Ninja left off, Ninja 3 begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. Okay, I just have to say, after listening to the audio from that trailer, no, this does not pick up where Revenge <laughs> of the Ninja left off. And after re-watching this thing, we can attest, no, it does not pick up where Revenge of the Ninja left off. Listen, here's here's my, my initial take on this movie. Is the, I was telling you this. The movie has a 20-minute cold open that makes no sense. Oh, yeah. Makes no sense to anybody. Like what? It opens. Oh god. Okay. Now just you go because I got I got a lot well, going for, on in my brain. Well, well, first of all, I was wrong. She's not a cop. She's a telephone repair person. She's a telephone repair person slash aerobics instructor um, slash aerobic exor failed aerobic exorcist. Yes. And as Chris pointed out while watching the film, what was it you said about her apartment? I said, if her apartment were any more 80s, then she would have Human League, Billy Idol, and uh, The Fix in the closet singing We Are the World. Right. Yes. Because, <laughs> God, that was an 80s apartment. Well, they had that, and I forget the artist's name, but I love him, the Duran Duran uh, Every Nail Salon art. Yes. Uh, just on an easel in the apartment. It was just on an easel. And it just so happened that whatever lights flashed inside that apartment, the, it, sunglasses, the sunglasses lit up. Nice, nice. I, I do want to play the invented, I think it's an invented uh, arcade game called Bouncer. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. that arcade game being anywhere when I was a kid, and I, I want to see what this game was like. I'd be into that. <laughs> so at first oh, I thought it was God, like a variation... Movie. I, at first, I thought it was like a variation of Tapper she was playing. I was like, "What is this?" And that's true. And 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 then they like it was Bouncer, and I'm like, "That's not, that's <laughs> not a thing." Um, <laughs> God, this movie, this whole movie. Um, yeah, you. Oh, it's a, there's a 20 minute cold open in this movie. The whole thing. Well, we were watching the first uh, 20 minutes of this movie, and it's just nothing but nonstop ninja action cold opening. Chris is like he kills the entire LAPD. Yeah, pretty much. Chris is watching this and he's like, "God, this is like watching you play Grand Theft Auto." Right? This <laughs> is just a ninja running, and the the best. So the, he assassinates a scientist. That's all we get. That's yeah. all you get. That's he all we need to know. He assassinates a scientist on a golf course. By the way, this black ninja has a real thing about crushing hard balls with his hands. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, multiple times yeah he kills this guy on the golf course kills i don't know 10 goons <laughs> just goons just 80s goons that are just happen to be around 
then the, you know, then flippity floop away into the woods. Yeah. The cops get to really quick. And he and like, gets murdered so many times. I have a theory. Maybe the fact that he possesses a woman and they're crushing balls <laughs> is her saying, I'm going to no. stick it to the man because I'm a no. woman. This is and, a Golden Globus and, <laughs> and crushing balls is her way of crushing the hierarchy of a patriarch's patri, patri, whatever society full of man. Here's, here's the thing. No one has ever ac- accused the patron saints Golden and Globus of this podcast of being woke. And I don't think it'll ever happen. The closest they got to being woke was Masters of the Universe. Yes. Maybe this is her part of the Me Too movement. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. And... Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no. Or not. By, by, by the way, I want to quickly interject here. I just looked up online, and yes, Bouncer was an actual video game from 1984. Wow. Uh, it was made by Entertainment Sciences. It was a trackball video game, uh, uh, and uh, it really wasn't a hit. Oh, I suppose not. I wonder how much they paid Golan and Globus to get this in their movie. Um, I got a question yeah. about the cold open. How much murder do the golf course police see? Because they did not react in the way that you would think golf course police would react when finding seven people murdered by swords and throwing stars on the golf course. My question is, there's golf course police? (laughs) Right. They are amazingly responsive. (laughs) It's like the police came out of nowhere, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's a Los Angeles thing. I don't know. But just all of a sudden seeing that this golf course had its own police force then only to find out it's like the LAPD or whatever city this is supposed to be set in. Uh, there's been a murder. You better get down here quick. Like, really? How many murders on this golf course do you see? Like, And not to mention the fact that you somehow were alerted within five minutes of the first death, you know, out of the back nine. <laughs> you show up in your golf cart. Like, what is going on? But no, you're right. He dies like 17 times. Yeah. And apparently has the ability to burrow like goddamn dick <laughs> Yes, he does. I, I, I love that one of the cops, though, that was shooting them, the, the token black cop there, that voice on him. Oh, my God, we're going to need to get these people trying to oh, kill them. Oh, Oh, they didn't, they didn't give one single shit about casual racism in this movie. From the opening credit scroll that was like that was like a bad takeout menu, just everything. Well, not to the, they, to the voices, to the goo, like, like to the fagool, a gaga, like all of the Italian cops that were running around. Oh, God, yeah, we got to definitely get to our main uh, male protagonist in a bit in a moment here because god almighty the most ineffectual protagonist ever <laughs> but yeah you're right the opening credit scroll it's like when the when the what did you say the, the font was chris was it um kung fu kung fu yeah kung fu the series no, it font. definitely definitely was a kung fu spot uh font yes chris <laughs> i'm just like Oh God! I'm waiting to hear that. I literally was waiting to hear that. I think it was there. I think there was a, a derivation of that in there. <laughs> and then they also had that font in the closing credits too, which just made me go, "Oh my God!" when I saw it. 
Um, but yeah, I like the fact that this this powerful ninja is basically Jason Voorhees and buries himself into the ground. And then we cut to the poor man's answer to Jennifer Beals. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of bus and truck in this in this movie. <laughs> she was on her way to Sarah Connor rehearsals. <laughs> yes, thank you. Linda Hamilton called off, and she had to step up. <laughs> I love that when she is like climbing up the the flagpole, she whips off her safety hat to show off that tail and mane hair. Yeah, <laughs> and like this is my star moment, and then puts the helmet back on. <laughs> Lacey asked if she was going to take a selfie. <laughs> she was channeling Melissa Manchester. Yes, she was totally channeling Melissa Manchester there. So yeah, so after and by the way, at this point, when we meet the the so we're twenty minutes into the film. Yeah, when we meet the. The the villainess slash heroine of the movie, the 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 damsel in distress slash villainess slash heroine. They they really did it with her. Oh yeah, they did. Um, wait, and and twenty minutes in, the the evil ninja has been shot. God, I don't know. Multiple times. times. 25 times, maybe? Multiple times. There so was a many scene. times. So keep in mind, I also want to paint this picture. We're not talking about a ninja that's running around in Japan and, you know, and there's, you know, in the classic style of a ninja movie. No, he's running away from a golf course in LA with <laughs> palm trees. And there is a scene where he's running from the cops. Because the cops get there a minute and a half after the golf course police call them. Um, so there's a scene where he's running from the cops. And the cops are chasing them in a cop car. And coming towards him, this guy is in full ninja garb, right? This guy is snake-eyed out. Running towards two cops on motorcycles. Probably 50 yards. A straight shot run at these guys. And they're just... And they just let him run in between them. The guy's dressed as a ninja. You didn't get that bolo. Be on the lookout for the ninja. <laughs> and he wasn't like dressed in um, clothing that would disguise him either. It was like no, he's in a ninja costume <laughs> and a bulky ninja costume to be at. It's like I'm seeing the bulkiness and <laughs> the 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 combination of slate gray and moss green color that it had. I was, oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? You're running around in like the dirtiest area of Los Angeles with shrubbery. You're not hiding. You're not doing a very good job at being a secret shadow ninja like well, ninjas are supposed am, to be. <laughs> I am sure, and I, I, I am 100% sure that somebody <coughs> on set was like, well, you know, ninjas didn't wear black. And Golan was like, well, we're going we're gonna to make the ninja costumes historically accurate so that we if you watch that documentary they were weird about shit like that like they were super into like having these weird they made these super low budgety type action movies mm -hmm. but they had that weird thing about like well, well we have a passion for making things like historically accurate and like putting these little nods in there and so I guarantee you somebody they were like yeah yeah let's make it Let's let's make it slate gray and moss green, so this movie will be historically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, 
so 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 Sarah Connor Beale meet, sure. meets the the evil ninja, and somehow after a, assaulting her, then Alva goes, "Okay, sorry, I made a mistake. Here, take my sword." <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much, like, like, I think the idea was that he was in his death throes after getting shot 25 times <laughs> throwing into the ground, um, that, you know, he was lashing out like a, you know, like a dying animal, and then, and then he passed his powers into his magic sword. And, and somehow after being physically assaulted, she was like, okay, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> like, bitch, get out of there! <laughs> it's like, what are you doing in the first place? <laughs> but no, she just she takes the katana because why not? And then you know she talks about making it decor. Um, then she goes into the police department to file a report, and then enter our hero, oh, ma- ma- misogynist Joe Supercop. <laughs> yes, um, the 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 result of what would happen if uh, Ross from Friends and a Wookiee had a child. And the results is our our male God. protagonist. God, so much, so much, just shoulder hair. <laughs> like what? I mean, I I think uh, I think you could braid it Bo Derek style. Uh, yes, you could. I, you could put a you could put a Padawan rat tail hanging up at <laughs> his shoulder. And the thing is, is that he basically misogynizes her to death until she decides to finally go out on a date with him. And by go on a date, we mean go back to her apartment and have sex. Like immediately have sex, have sex that is fortified with iron and um, whatever else is in being. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Okay, so after... What was that? After, 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 after... Oh, okay. After she gets interrogated, and he like stalks her to her her job at the um, at the fitness center. Which, by the way, we are treated to footage of like guys who honestly don't look like that they would be bench uh, pressing or anything. Just watching the female aerobics with. The all the intent of a man with no teeth eating peanuts watching a steak cook. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. The song, I we posted it on the the Facebook page, and it's going to be at the end of this episode. The song "Body Shop" um is the the most astounding piece of music I might have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I tried to find the lyrics. Nobody has transposed the li- If you're out there and you're feeling feisty, please transpose the lyrics for the song Body Shop. Um, I, 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 I want the song on my uh, – in every playlist that I've ever had. It is, it is astounding that this song was made. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's just the the song is just. You'll, well, everyone will hear it at the end of the show. Yeah, if yeah, didn't yeah. Hear you'll it. hear it. You'll hear it. Oh yeah. Um, but it's like we we then find out that the cop followed her to the aerobics class. He tries hitting up on her again. She's like, "Get the fuck out of here." 
then, you know, she gets assaulted by the Goombas who were, you know, weightlifting in there because she goes in there to try to save one of her um, students. And then all of a sudden the cop is just like, oh, she can kick ass. I must go to bed with her. <laughs> I like the rape scene that happened in broad daylight for everybody. That was real interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that like that like that. I mean, I know it's the '80s, but at the same time, just like sure, that would happen in broad daylight. Okay, um, but then he 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 picks her up, takes her home. She's just like again, like stop following me. You are creeping me out. And he's like, look, lady, I like being a cop, <laughs> and if you can't take it, then you can get the fuck out of my car. And, and so she's like. Well, why didn't you say that in the first place? Let me go take a weird shower. <laughs> I'm horny now, basically. And then we get to sex with VA juice. Which, by the way, there was no setup for that. You're just you're just blindsided with her pouring V8 juice down herself. And then having it drip down to her snackateria, to her most deaf. For him to drink the VA juice. Yeah, yeah, just none of it's okay. That whole scene was just not okay. <laughs> and then we get to the post-coitus sleep, and we get to our first possession sequence. Um, and again, like I said, like, like I remembered, when she gets possessed, they immediately put eyeliner on her eye and tell her to squint to make her look Asian. I mean, that might be true, but I will say this, okay? We learn in the first 20 minutes that nobody mastered smoky eye makeup <laughs> as well as the evil ninja did. <laughs> he did have that smoky eye I mean, that eye guy has yeah. an Instagram account. He's doing tutorial videos on YouTube. He's got a makeup line coming out. <laughs> it's gonna, he's going to be at the Ulta in, South, in Palo Alto this, this month. <laughs> Oh yes, he's gonna make. He's gonna do the entire grand tour of Santa Rosa, California, with that, uh, with with that smoky eye tutorial. And then, and then, we, and then suddenly we get our main headliner of the film. We get his first appearance, and at that point, we do get the dun 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 dun, dun type music with his arrival in the airport. With that awesome ass patch on his Just eye, kick ass eye patch. <laughs> Chris's reaction to that eye patch was, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and we we still don't have any idea why he's in L.A. He just arrives and he's picked up by. He has no idea why he's in L.A. <laughs> he's picked up by the staff of Benihana, and <laughs> is taken away at that point. He's picked up by the Los Angeles County Ninja um, <laughs> Ninja Consulate because yes. there's one in every major city. <laughs> and then um, she starts seeing the people who are responsible for the assassination of our villain. And so she starts, after getting possessed by the ninja, goes after them. By the way, that main possession sequence involving the video game Bouncer I Pink Floyd laser show on her face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just the wall with lasers. 
you got some mushrooms, you're in the planetarium, you're having a good time. Oh my That's... god. That happened and with all the dry eye smoke flowing all over the place. And then yeah, all of a sudden we get laser Arium presents the music of Kenny Loggins. <laughs> yes, yes. It, but unfortunately, it's just uh, Loggins and Messina doing House on Pooh Corner. At yes. <laughs> and, yeah, pretty much, yes. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty it. much it, yes. Pretty much. And then, you know, the, then we get the glowing sword. I love the fact that it's this glowing sword, but they couldn't afford a glowing effect, so they just, like, painted it chrome and shined yeah. a light on it. <laughs> and you can and you can 100% see, like, the strings that are holding it up, yes. it around. As it's wobbling around toward her hands. And we get our first assassination, uh, the, the guy playing pool in his underwear. Yeah, well, she has to crush a ball there, too. Yeah, There's a lot does. of ball crushing. And I like how she killed him by just slashing his face and throwing him out the window of his one-story home. Well, and there's a lot of um, non-contact um, slashing in this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. And a lot of, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Miss Piggy. And, you know, just going around <laughs> going, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> You're not wrong. And so we've got that death. And she starts having laps of memory because she doesn't recall where she's been. All of a sudden, she's a fucking werewolf. You know, she's like, I, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I've been. I don't know why I have this bruise. Oh, oh, sex me. You know, and... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, accurate, but damn it. <laughs> Um, so then, um... Ancient Chinese secret, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Chris, is, Chris is earning his producer credits this episode, yes. for sure. I, I think, though, out of all of the assassinations that happen, the one that cracks me up the hardest is the one that happens in the spa. Yes! <laughs> yes! Where she interrupts the threesome. There's a line, there's a line in there from one of the spa girls that's just like, I want to stay and watch. <laughs> you can have him, pig. I'm like, <laughs> he's having sick. He's having a three way with you, and all of a sudden, oh, sorry, one other girl is too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this movie's wild. Yeah, she goes on a revenge spree against all the cops that killed um, the 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 original bad ninja that possessed mm. her. By the way, yeah, we'll get into the the, the part I was going to bring up. I'm bringing that up way too early. Um, yeah, she goes on a revenge spree and has a, a, a spa killing spree with um, a claw. Like, what does she use? It, it's it's a pearl ring with a little needle hidden underneath it, which I guess has got poison. It's never made clear because yeah. all she does is tap him on the back of the ne neck and he instantly dies. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like. Ooh, okay, so Death by Mother of Pearl. I don't know. Right, that's called the Jackie O. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she slashes the tits of that one girl. Yes. And then chokes the... needle, the I guess. Yeah, I mean, she literally slashes those breasts. And then she chokes the third girl. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, um, 
Your DNA is going to be all over in that pool. <laughs> she doesn't care. She's possessed by a bad ninja guy. <laughs> and then... Um, what, at what point do we get introduced to... James Hong? The, the Honganing. So he starts beginning to think that something's wrong with her. And he, he starts he starts putting math together and starts thinking, okay, well, she's obsessed with Japanese culture... She's got a samurai sword. Or, uh, she's you know, there's all of these strange things happening that's related to the death of the samurai. Maybe I should take her to go see a Japanese exorcist. Well, and the funny thing, the, there's a line where he's getting ready to take her to James Hall, and he says, "There's a guy that the cops use for cases like this." Yes, the cops use the Chinese exorcist guy. Yes, so they so so he and, and apparently the police pay him like a fat wad of money every to time. Live in a dungeon, yeah, and chain people to walls because. <laughs> And when they and when they go into this office, it literally looks like they're about to buy a Mogwai. It, right. <laughs> they go up to the counter, and, and Susie Wong for Pearl Cream is greets them, and it's just like, "Oh yeah, you'll be expected. Come on in." <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's bad. It's 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 bad and racist. Like, oh my god. And then they get taken back to this, like, really rickety-looking, like, <laughs> like something out of the set of Hellraiser. It's like you're expecting the Lament box to be waiting there to have her open it up and bring on the Cenobites. <laughs> this is what it looks like. It's, it's, set it's rough. Set designed by Clive Barker. And <laughs> then we get James Swong... God bless him. Um, comes out doing his Asian-y shtick, gets his money, and then breaks <laughs> breaks out the medieval torture chamber chains. Yeah, like giant chains, giant and, chains. And she's like, "What is this for?" Like, are you oh. pulling an F one fifty out of a ditch? What are you doing? She's like, what is this for? And he's like, it's in case the spirit manifests itself. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good haul, Troy. <laughs> that's not a bad, you did a, you did a good haul. That's what you call that, a good haul. <laughs> and so she goes with it and allows herself to be. <laughs> well, the guy, her, her boyfriend, you know, uh, Goomba Steve over it's like it'll be fine I'm here what's the worst that could happen get into chains <laughs> it's okay like what no it's get, not get into chains little lady you know and so it's like she changes she she allows herself to be tied up chained and basically spread eagle between these two pillars and he starts doing his whole show and all of a sudden, we get the the classic stereotypes of a demonic possession scene with the fire shooting out of the candles and everything. And then spotlight dance on her face. Sure. And she starts blowing smoke out of her mouth, literally. Like, but not even just like blowing smoke does not give credit to what happens. She opens her mouth and billows smoke out. It, like it, it's it's a lot. It's it's like if you went to go get some of those like those 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 uh, cryogenically frozen Dragon Ball things at a ice cream shop, and the smoke coming out of your mouth. Only you just took the whole cup and shoved it in your mouth and crunched. Listen, 
I, I, I get it, she vapes. So... <laughs> and then... When she starts screaming at him, and he realizes who he is, who it is, like, oh, so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then she starts all of a sudden, like, flipping around like she's in Street Fighter too, tied up oh, to yeah. the chains, and starts. You, know, you expect to start hearing her, like something. There was a lot. There, there, there was a lot of that in this in this movie. Me. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Goomba's off to the side, like, oh, oh, he's like reacting like they react in Speed Racer. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he's so ineffectual in this scene. And finally, she gets exhausted and <laughs> collapses. It's like, oh, she's gone now. And it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. He's like, literally, he's like, I don't know. Oh, I know a guy. <laughs> and he's a ninja, and only a ninja can stop a ninja. Yeah, only a ninja can kill a ninja. I want to go back to something you just said for a second, if that's okay. Okay. You said he's so ineffectual in this scene. <laughs> and by scene, you mean the entire 90 minutes of this film, Okay, right? yeah, he's ineffectual in okay. the entire film, yes. Yeah, there's nothing, he, he does nothing this entire movie. <laughs> but he's at his most ineffectual during this moment. He really is. So then they come up with the idea of, you know, having a ninja, the, the, the whole idea of the ninja, only a ninja can stop a ninja. Who just happens to be in town. Yes. Here's my favorite line from the movie. Hold on, I got here just a second. Hold on. Oh, God, what's he got? What has he got? Yes, of course. As you know, I'm not kind of Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I would be happy to receive the ambassadors. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> and if you want more ninja action, Amazon.com actually has the entire series of Master Ninja with Lee Van Cleef on set for thirty six ninety five. Damn it! Well, I didn't pay by Amazon yet, so. <laughs> So we we finally realize that this that this uh, this this guy with the eye patch is a ninja who's here for reasons, and just so happens to be the same guy from the first two ninja movies, but playing a different character. It's like Chris pointed out. It's like it's like George Kennedy in the airport movies. <laughs> uh, so he's also he's also got. I don't know if anybody in the. I'm sure some of our audience has watched Supernatural. He's got like the 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 ninja equivalent of the super of the trunk of the car, where it's just full of like shotguns and guns. And yes, shit. he just like lifts up a thing and it's just full of. The, full, does he have one? Is he the Jason Statham of? Ninjas? Does he just have a, a fully loaded sedan in every city, just waiting for a, the need to arise to be a ninja? Yeah. I mean the oh, okay. well, the, I mean, well, the villain has a cave off of Santa Monica Boulevard that has a glowing rock safe filled with the ninja gear and the ninja weaponry, also. So why not? Why not? I guess that's true. <laughs> so then we 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 cut to ninja on ninja action, 
after, but 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 before we really get down to the nitty gritty of that, we've got one more major demonic possession moment, um, and this is when the Goomba has finally put two and two together after all this time, and he goes after her to stop her. Um, she is going to get possessed again because the killer wants her to kill the boyfriend. She doesn't want to do it, so her way of stopping the spirit is to aerobicize. Oh, she's got she's to dance that demon right out of her skin. <laughs> so she starts Molly Ringwalding all over the place <laughs> to, to distract from the demon um, with her Jennifer Beale flash dance hair and, and leg warmers all over the place. The demon's just like, nope, fuck this. Has the samurai sword come out and chop her boombox in two. It's <laughs> enough of that. And then drags her into the closet all Carol Ann from Poltergeist style. <laughs> and she's like, no, no. And finally when she gets dragged into the closet, she's just like, okay, fine. <laughs> just succumbs to it all and allows her to be herself to be possessed yet again. And I mean, at that point, I, I don't blame her, to be honest. <laughs> There's not much else she could have done, you know? Yeah, she's like, okay, I guess. One more time. All right. (laughs) And so she almost kills her boyfriend, but fortunately, you know, he calls out her name. And it's basically as if he's just screamed Martha at her. True. (laughs) True that. True that. And that makes her stop and run away. And so he realizes, I know what I must do. And so he makes sure that the, 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 her possessed is the ninja and the ninja assassin meet at a monk temple in the middle of nowhere in downtown Los Angeles that just happens to be in downtown Los Angeles. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, when did the set of Mortal Kombat appear in downtown Los Angeles? <laughs> It's rough, man. This movie, I mean, it is it is classic canon. Oh, yeah. Because nothing makes sense. Like, geography doesn't matter. It, nothing matters. Like, the plot just doesn't, doesn't matter. It, it's amazing. It just, God, I love it so much. It, it just so happens that this temple with the, with the, with the monks who are practicing their, 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 their martial arts also happens to be housing the body of the evil ninja. Right. Why did they just keep the body? Yeah. It's in pretty good shape for being riddled <laughs> with bullets. <laughs> it's, an immac- it's an immaculate shape. And I'm going, why did they keep the body? What the hell? Because they foresaw this happening? I don't know. It's never explained. But she's there looking at the body dressed up in her ninja outfit. And then her and the ninja have an exchange about how, you know, this, she may die here. If her, if the soul of the evil ninja doesn't leave her body and go back into its own body and they are about to fight and not even 20 seconds in, she faints and we get the incredible blue spirit effect out of nowhere. Oh yeah. It becomes the, Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters effect. <laughs> the spirit flying around and enters back into its own body 
and he resurrects old Dawn of the Dead style. And so we've got Ninja versus Zombie Ninja. And, you know, that fight ensues. And Kasugi's just like, all right, we doing this? <laughs> and, this ain't weird. Nothing weird just happened. Yeah. And, and so he possesses all of the monks to go after our good guy Ninja um, as a distraction. But apparently it wasn't a very good distraction because he didn't really get far, uh, despite how long that fight lasted. And they're fighting outside on the rocks outside of downtown Los Angeles. And um, our, 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 our female protagonist then gets the clever idea of taking the samurai sword and shoving it into the chest of our evil uh, ninja, not realizing that well, she... That's, pro- don't forget that they found a random abandoned house within running distance. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> to fight in. <laughs> to fight in. And I think she forgot, or maybe she thought that because she was still dressed as a ninja, she technically qualified as a ninja. So that's why she went to go try to kill him. It, it didn't work. Um, well, this supports Chris's theory. You know that that she that she's um, that she's taking back her femininity from <laughs> from this Me thing too. that entered her that she Me didn't too. want. Oh, God. Oh man, I loved how he dispatched the evil ninja though with like blade to the head. Yeah, <laughs> when that happened, Chris was like, "Are there blades sharp enough to do that?" <laughs> I like that that's what broke Chris. It wasn't anything else in this film. Well, maybe the little soft spot it wasn't the, It yet. wasn't yes. the first five minutes of the film where one of the goons took a swing with a nine iron at a man and then the, the nine iron bent around his arm and he's a man. It wasn't that. It was this part. Yeah, th- th- this was the part where he came into question, where he just says, okay, now wait a minute. Enough's enough. <laughs> and then the body just, like, evaporated. Like, <laughs> there's no other explanation to describe what happened to the evil ninja after he got impaled in the head by the blade. He the became, body he evaporated. one with the force, okay? Yes. Right, yes, he did. I am one with the force, and the force is with me. By the way, there is something that we missed that I do want to touch on, and that is um, when the spirit of the ninja jumps back into its original host body, Mm -hmm. and she is free, and she's with her boyfriend, and Kasugi decides to take this fight outside, Mm. and she's inside before she decides that she's going to grab the sword and and impale this, this ninja. She shares... A disgusting kiss with her boyfriend. Oh, God, yes, Just yes. Oh. Gross. Just, I guarantee you there were at least 20 takes of that gross-ass kiss. Oh, God, it had all the sexual tension of watching, you know, two turtle dicks flapping against each other. They kind of <laughs> ran at each other with open mouths and just slammed into <laughs> each other for a second. Slam dance kissing. <laughs> pretty... It's like like two two sucker fish just going at it. They jousted. <laughs> yeah, there, there was nothing romantic about that kiss whatsoever. Nothing it passionate. Was, it, it was, was <laughs> it was unnerving. <laughs> Overall, do you recommend this movie though? Yeah, yeah. 
100%. It's wild. It's great. Everybody should watch this a couple times. Like every five years, you should revisit this movie because it's it's only an hour and a half long and it is bananas. Yeah. If you if you want a prime example of just how bananas Canon Pictures and Golden Globus was, this, this is a perfect example. It really is. Uh, just with the excessiveness of 80s action cinema, I this possesses every single one of those tropes whatsoever. And uh, it was fun revisiting it because, God, this movie has not aged well, but it has not aged well in the best way uh, has possible. It? Has it? <laughs> um, the good news is, is that our next film is another prime example of 80s action cheese. Yeah, baby. So much so that we are having a guest star on our show. Um, someone who we used to work with uh, back in the United States of Geekdom, Rick Gutierrez, will be appearing on our next episode. Um, he insists on it because of the movie that we're doing. I could not be more thrilled that Rick's going to be on this show. And uh, Well, he was originally supposed to be on our Herbie episode, uh, but I totally forgot. And he was he was upset because he was like, I suffered through that piece of shit. <laughs> I'm like, so we're gonna make him suffer through another one. <laughs> so, oh no, he's more than happy when because I told him what the movie was, and he's more than happy. And you're gonna be more than happy too when you hear what the movie is. It is a palate cleanser. We're we're doing a palate cleanser movie. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and rip the band aid off. We're doing the '80s Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Commando. Oh shit! Going, oh shit! I, I'm going commando right now. <laughs> oh shit! Yes, we're, we're getting, we're getting. I think is it Al Leung in this in commando? I don't know. I can't uh, remember. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, we we're doing the uh, the classic '80s one man army movie, the ultimate '80s one man army movie, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Dong Chong, and Alyssa Milano. <laughs> How far would you go to save Alyssa Milano? <laughs> that question will be answered. This movie is a quintessential 80s action film. And, I mean, it's probably the most high-profile movie we've done on this show so far. But, one, I feel we need the palate cleanser. Two, it'll be fun to record with Rick again. And three, it's fucking Commando. I you can't. I mean, he throws saw blades through people's heads in this film. <laughs> He has unlimited bullets. It's like he's got the he's like he's got the game genie of machine guns. Well, he's got the game, game genie of um, of sheds. He just finds a shed full of weapons. Weapon shed. He finds a he he finds the power up before the big boss in this film. Yes. God. Just, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, yes. Yeah. We're doing. We're totally doing Commando next, and I can't wait to revisit the movie because yeah, it's. It, it's. I haven't it's, seen it probably in twenty five years. Oh god. <laughs> but I remember, I remember things pretty vividly about this film, so I'm curious to see if it holds up to my. Uh, oh, it was peak Schwarzenegger. That's the thing because I mean this this was when he was really at his peak. This was when he was also at his, at his most one-linery before Batman and Robin came and killed that. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. This 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 is pure Schwarzenegger. It really is. I mean, when you when when you think of Schwarzenegger stereotypes, you have Terminator, 
and Commando. These are the, those are the two stereotypes that you immediately think of. I mean, he wouldn't have Predator if it wasn't for Commando. Right. So yeah. So yeah, I can't wait to revisit this one. And I have no idea how to follow it up yet. So I'm like, where do we go from Commando? So I don't know yet. Well, I, I have one, but I'll discuss it with you later. Oh, is it is it Dot and the Rabbit? No. <laughs> the sequel to Dot and the Kangaroo? No. You'll see. If it's Dot and the Kangaroo again, I quit. <laughs> I actually, just out of curiosity, did try to watch the sequel, Dot and the Rabbit, and it's actually worse than Dot and the Kangaroo. God. Yeah. It's, it's almost unbelievable, but yeah, okay. it's bad. Because you've got this, the, she's being followed by this rabbit who thinks he's actually a baby kangaroo. Aww. <sighs> don't, don't do that. Yeah. We, we all know that, that it's not good. We all know how bad it is. And there's this musical number with the uh, platypus family singing about the joys of eating termites. Nope. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I stopped. I still think I'm putting this on the table now. I think we should do laser mission. (laughs) Laser mission is laser mission was a, I believe it was Dolph Lundgren and um, no, it wasn't. No, this was Brandon. This was Brandon Brandon Lee before the crow. Brandon Lee's like first um, American movie. Yeah. This is what got him showdown in little Tokyo. And And it's wild. Yeah. It's a wild ass movie too. So I'm just putting that into the zeitgeist for whoever wants to hear it. It's, It's like he did that. Then he did showdown in little Tokyo. Then he did the crow and died. Right, which is a damn shame. Yeah. But, uh, God, Laser Mission, I remember seeing that one. I remember going to see Laser... I remember renting Laser Mission because it was Brandon Lee. I remember they, like, put him front and center on the video box and remember the movie just not making any a goddamn lick of sense whatsoever. I have it on DVD, so I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, gang, um... If you again, if you have Amazon Prime, Ninja Three: The Domination is on Amazon Prime. You don't need to watch Enter the Ninja or Revenge of the Ninja to understand this movie. Highly recommended if you're looking for something that is just fun and schlocky and cheesy and a pure example of just how over the top horrible but horrible fun eighty cinema can get. And um, in our next episode, we're going to do a big budget version of that with Commando. Also, let's make it clear: while it's not necessary to watch the first two Ninja movies, we do highly recommend. Oh God, yes! Enter. Oh God, yes! Because Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja are just as batshit crazy as this thing is. So only only this one has demonic possession involved, where the other two don't. Does it? (laughs) It's true. All right, valid. Alrighty, gang. Uh, We will see you next time, and we will talk to you later. And now, for your listening pleasure, (laughs) here is Body Shop! (laughs) 